Here we are at day five already of 1 Corinthians chapter seven, one of my favorite chapters in all of 1 Corinthians. There's a lot of favorite chapters as we go on from this point. We're gonna look at verses 25 to 40 today. A good section of scripture, but I love this section of scripture because it answers the question that so many of us are asking. What do you do? The question is this, what do you do when God's will has options? Who should I marry? When should I marry? Which job should I take? Where should I live? What do I do in that case? How do I decide which job? How do I decide where to live? How do I decide who and when to marry? Now, Paul answers this question around the subject of marriage, but it applies to all those other areas of life. And I just want to walk through this briefly. The five things that Paul gives us to do when we're deciding. What's God's direction? What's God's will when there are seeming options? Number one, Paul says to this, and he's answering the question for them, should I get married? But it applies to everything else. The first thing you do is you decide to be aware of God's timing. Be aware of God's timing as you make the decision. Now, Paul writes to those who are not married. It says in verse 25, now about virgins, talking to those who have not yet been married, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think it's good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Do not seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. As Paul walks through these verses, he reminds us that sometimes we live by command and other times we live by our judgment based on God's word. We talked about this yesterday. If God has a clear command about it, then that's what you do. But here they had to make a judgment call. Should I get married or not? And Paul points to God's timing, the timing of the circumstances that they're in. And he says, in view of the present distress, now, what was that present distress? We're not entirely sure. It probably revolved around the, the circumstances of a persecution that they were facing in the Corinthian church. And Paul says, so because of what you're facing now, this is probably not the right time to get married. This is not a good time to get married. Now, he says, if you decide to get married, it's not wrong. But as you're trying to discern God's will, it's not really a matter of right or wrong in this moment. It's really a matter of what's God's timing. A very important point of deciding God's will in those places where you have options is just because it's God's will for you does not mean it's God's time for you. It may be God's will for you to move someday. It doesn't mean it's today. It might be a year from now. It might be 10 years from now. I don't know. God may show you something very early sometimes. It might be God's will for you to get married to the person you're dating right now, but it may not be today or tomorrow. It may need another year or two for you to grow together in relationship. So just because it's God's will for you to get married doesn't mean it's God's time. There's a difference between God's will and God's timing. So be aware of God's timing as you're making these kinds of decisions. Number two, Paul says, be aware of the problems as you're making these kinds of decisions. Verse 28, the last half through verse 34. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you all this. What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they had none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. 
An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. Now, as Paul writes about this, let's start where he began. He said there's going to be problems in a marriage. As you're making decisions about whether or not to get married, where to live, where not to live, what job to have, what job not to have, first thing you tell yourself is, whatever decision I make, there's going to be problems. If you get married, there's going to be problems. If you stay single, there's going to be problems. If you move to Kansas City, there's going to be problems. If you stay where you're living now, there's going to be problems. There's no such thing as a problem-free circumstance in life. Now, Paul reminds us of the difference between this world and the next in verses 29 to 31. As he, these strange verses about mourn, act as if you're not. Happy, act as if you're not. What is he talking about here? He's saying you look past the problems of this world to the promise of eternity. That's what we're living for. And in the practicality of this, what he's saying is you never get married to escape your problems. You never move to escape your problems. If you do that, you're just going to run into more problems. In fact, you tend to run into the same problems because the problems revolve around you and who you are. And Paul reminds those in Corinth that when you get married, you get a whole new set of concerns. And especially in view of the persecution that the church was facing, especially in view of what was happening in that day, Paul is saying those concerns are even heightened. Now, over in Ephesians, Paul has a very high view of marriage, and he talks about the fact that in marriage, we're showing the world what the love of Christ is really like. So he does not at all believe that we should never get married. But in view of this present distress, he's saying to them, it may not be the best idea. The problems may be more than you could even realize. But whatever the situation, even if you're living in a perfect place, as you decide to get married or you decide to move or you decide to get a new job, one of the questions you ask yourself is, am I, am I ready for the problems as well as the joys? If you're telling yourself it's all going to be perfect, then you're lying to yourself. If you're making a decision just to escape your problems, you're fooling yourself. There's going to be problems wherever you go. Now, all of us can see it in like a, a high school boy who, when he gets out of high school, tries to escape the authority of his parents by joining the army. We can all see it then, but we can't see it in ourselves. But the truth is, many, many people face the same two to five year cycle of problems over and over and over again in their lives. So maybe this time you should not move. Maybe this time you don't need a different job. You need to stay and work through and grow if at all possible. And certainly this time, you don't want to leave that marriage again. You want to stay and you want to work through and you want to grow. As Paul writes about this, the practical advice is you've you got to be aware of God's timing. You've got to be aware that problems are a part of any decision. Number three, and this is the core of it, he says, in all of it, you have to be aware of life's goal. What is God's goal in our lives? Verses 35 to 36. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks he is acting improperly toward a virgin he is engaged to, and if she's getting along in years and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He's not sinning. They should get married. Now, Paul is saying here, it's okay to get married in many cases. But in saying that, he goes to life's goal. Life's goal, he says, is undivided, undistracted devotion to the Lord. So in the case of marriage, you ask yourself, can I better serve the Lord single or married? Can I better grow closer to Jesus single or married? I found for most people, the answer to that is going to be married. Not for everyone, certainly not for Paul, but for most people, that's going to be the answer. I just found that in talking to people. 
This next one, I don't know the answer, but could I better serve the Lord in San Francisco or Orlando? If you have to make a decision about what city you're gonna live in, you have to decide which place could I better serve him. Now, you might think just as well in either place. Well, then make either choice. But if you have a strong sense, I could better serve Christ, I could better grow in Christ in Orlando, then that always has to tip the scales. Even if you're being offered more money, a better position somewhere else, that's not life's greatest goal. Now, it's okay to make more money. It's great if you can make more money. It's just not the most important goal in life. So you always let the most important goal tip the scales. Paul says here, God is not working to restrict us as he guides us. He is working to get us to a place where we can live in undivided, undistracted devotion to him. So that's life's goal. And that's what you always work for. You're never going to totally reach that goal in this world, by the way. But you always live towards that goal. Fourth principle that Paul gives us here about how to make decisions when there's not a verse about it in the Bible is be aware of what's influencing you. Be aware of what's influencing you. Verses 37 to 38. But the man who has settled this manner in his own mind and who is under no compulsion but has control over his own will, who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, that man does the right thing. So then he who marries the virgin does right and he who does not marry her does even better. Paul says in these verses, as you settle the matter in your mind, be sure that you're looking at your compulsions. Who's not under compulsion. Sometimes another person puts you under compulsion. You're doing it because of what they might think or what they're trying to force you to do. But more often than that even, you face your own inner compulsions. You get the offer of a new job And as silly as this may sound, it influences us. They show you your new office. And you look at how big that office is, what that office looks like, and you think, if I had that office, I would feel more important. If I had that office, my dad would think I'm more important. And so you take the office and not the job. And then you suffer in the job. Be aware of your own compulsions. This scripture is saying you work through it. We all have compulsions. We all have selfishness in our lives. You can't get rid of that, but you can face it. You can get control over your own will. That's what Paul says here. You just talk to the Lord about it. You say, Lord, I like the look of that office. But more than anything, I want to be where I can best serve you and grow in you. So if that's some kind of temptation, let me know. Let me see that. Make it clear to me. As you're honest about your compulsions before the Lord, he'll reveal to you whether that compulsion is driving you or it's his direction that's driving you. There's one final thing, a fifth thing that Paul talks about here. You gotta also be aware of, and that is be aware of the judgment of others, the opinions, the wisdom of others. Verses 39 and 40. A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is, but I, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Paul writes here and he says, the truth is, You're free to remarry if your husband or your wife dies. The scripture is very clear here. Now, they must be a believer, of course, he says. This is one of the clearest verses that says believers should always marry believers. But Paul goes on to say the truth that you can get married again, does that mean you should get married again? And Paul's advice in their current circumstances, he says at the beginning of this in view of the present circumstances, so this isn't necessarily advice for every circumstance. But in view of their circumstances, he says, no, I don't think you should get married. And Paul says, I I think I'm listening to God's spirit. 
As you make decisions, you need to find people like that. It is good to listen to the judgment of others as we judge, as we decide. You look for someone who is seeking to listen to God's Spirit in their life. At the beginning of this passage, Paul says, I, I think I'm trustworthy. You look for someone who's been trustworthy in their marriage as you make a decision about a marriage. You look for someone who's been trustworthy in their business life as you make a decision about your business life. You look for someone who's been trustworthy in when they've moved and how they've moved as you make a decision about moving. That's one of the ways that God directs you. Now, you may be facing a decision right now, or you may know someone who is. As we end this day, I'd like just to pray through these things we've talked about in regard to the decision that you're facing. So right now, just in prayer, just say, Jesus, here it is, the decision, whether to marry, not marry, where I'm gonna live, what job I'm gonna have, whatever else it is, Lord, here it is. God, help me, help me to get your wisdom on this by being aware of your timing. Help me to see your timing and not mine. I don't wanna be ahead of you or behind you. God, help me to be honest about the problems in this decision. Either decision that I make, not to fool myself into thinking there's some perfect decision with no problems. Lord, more than anything, help me to be aware of life's goal, that you want me to live in devotion and love towards you. Whatever decision I make, I want it to be a decision that helps me to love you more. God, help me to be aware of my own compulsions, to be honest with you about them, so that they don't drive me, but instead I grow even through facing them. And Lord, help me to listen to other people's wise judgment, those that have been trustworthy, those that have your spirit. I ask for your wisdom for this decision, Jesus. In your name, amen. Next week, chapter eight, another of my favorite chapters in 1 Corinthians. Chapter eight tells us that life is more than what you know. Life is how you love. <music>